dedicated to my grandfather, Charlie Adams. I miss you, and I'll always love you. I am what time, circumstance, and history have made of me. Certainly, but I'm also so much more than that. So are we all. James Baldwin. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to season four of the Normalized Podcast. I am CJ, and as always, I thank you for your time and attention. Welcome, man. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been about a two-month delay, actually, for me to get uh, season four kicked off. But hey, we're still here in the midst of the corona pandemic. We'll definitely talk about that this season. Uh, so normalizedpodcast.com is where you can find all the previous episodes. If you're a returning listener, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I cannot do this without your support. If you're a first-time listener, well, then welcome. Um, I like to think this is a unique podcast because it started out with, well, about me. Uh, to be more specific, it came from a terrible, terrible incident. Uh, a couple years ago, I was in a drunken binge and driving about 90 miles an hour on the Baltimore Beltway about 4 in the morning. I ran up under an F-150, and only by the grace of God did I not injure myself, the person, more importantly, in the car, or anyone else around that um, scene. Uh, there were definitely some consequences, um, as small as they may have been. The more critical one was seeking mental health treatment via a therapist. Now, look, I already knew at the time I was an alcoholic. I was just fighting it and probably just didn't give a fuck. Uh, but going to the therapist really put me on this path of self-awareness. Uh, the therapist told me to stop fighting with who I was, to explore it, to understand it, to embrace it, and then to share it. Um, so voila, just like that, the Normalized Podcast was created. Season one, the show was kind of like the foundation where I came from. Season two was more about where I was at that time. Um, and then season three, which was definitely, without a doubt, my most favorite season. Um, I got four brave souls to really share their journey to becoming normal. They each had a few episodes. And if there is any season I'd recommend everybody go back and check out, it would be season three. But if you want context for season four, then you got to go back and check out season one and two. And so, yeah, so that's why we're here. It's, it's been well over a year since I've done a show. And to give you an update on everything, I mean, my life has been an, an, a roller coaster, just like it's always been. But now I have a little more context. And the reason why I have context is because I was recently diagnosed as bipolar, too. And learning about this illness has been quite the trip for me. I mean, understanding its impacts on my personality, my work, my marriage, my friendships, my fears, my hopes, um, even being quarantined because of the virus, I really seem to understand things a little better. Doesn't mean things are any easier. It's still a struggle. I still struggle with my marriage, still struggle with alcoholism, still struggle with my personality flaws. But at least now I think I have another tool to try to address it. The podcast obviously is one other tool that I use. Um, so with that being said, you know, I'm really excited about this season. Again, I really thank you for your time and attention and let's go ahead and get started. So four years I've been doing this show and after three years of doing the show, I really felt like I was in a groove. I felt like I understood myself and I was doing a good job at articulating my journey to becoming normal and a journey that I felt like a lot of black men um, had. And just for a lot of a variety of reasons, we don't share everything that we're feeling. Um, a lot of what has shaped us 
through our culture, through our personalities, our clothes, everything has is, is, is been the environment. It's the outside pushing in. So that's why the diagnosis of bipolar 2 really took me back. Because if you think about it, that's the end pushing out. That's the biology causing you to act certain ways. So it really caused me to explore even further than I had done before. So what is bipolar 2? I'm not a clinical professional. I'm not going to try to play one, but I do have a good clip that can explain it for you. Hey everybody, today we're going to talk about bipolar 2 disorder. What is it and how does it differ from bipolar 1 disorder? Now, I know we have a lot of new people here. Welcome. If you have a question Okay. <laughs> real talk. I know it sounds kind of corny with the elevator music, but I promise you it has some really good points. Just bear with me on this, okay? You know, I'll turn it back up for you. Like anxiety, depression, stress, etc. Okay, now let's get into bipolar 2 disorder. In order to be diagnosed, someone must meet the criteria for a hypomanic episode and a major depressive episode. Now, Okay, look, I'm just going to do me no more elevator music. Um, I think we all know what depression is, but I'm going to go ahead and read what hypomania is because I'm sure not everybody knows that. Hypermania is characterized by the persistently irritable, elevated, or expansive mood accompanied by at least three other hypermanic symptoms. Now, I'm going to let her explain what these symptoms are, but I'm going to create it in a way that really shows how it feels in my head to suffer from hypermania, followed by depression. While feeling like this, you must also have three or more of the following. Inflated self-esteem or grandiosity. Number two, decreased need for sleep. Number three, you're more talkative than usual or feel pressure to keep talking. Number four, you experience flight of ideas or thoughts racing. Number five, you're easily distracted. Number six, have an increase in goal-directed activity. And number seven, you have an excessive involvement in high-risk activities. If you meet that criteria, remember, you must also meet the criteria for a major depressive episode. And that criteria is that you must have five or more of the following symptoms, and they must have been present during the same two-week period. Also, at least one of those five symptoms must be, I know this is kind of confusing, but just stick with me, be either having a depressed mood or a loss of interest or pleasure in things. Use this gospel for protection. It's a hard road to heaven. We call on your blessings. In the Father, we put our faith. The other symptoms are, remember, so we have to have one of those and a total of five. So we have to look for four of one of these. Significant change in your weight. Could be weight gain or weight loss. Significant changes in your sleep. Either sleeping too much or not enough. Feeling really restless. So much so that other people in your life notice it and have maybe mentioned it to you or your healthcare provider. Feeling fatigued or having a loss of interest nearly every day. Also experiencing feelings of worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt. Could also have diminished ability to think or concentrate or be really indecisive. I don't know if you remember that really old video I did about the like the most untalked about uh, symptom of depression. It was difficulty concentrating. And so that, that's it right there. And the final one is having recurrent thoughts of death or suicidal ideation. My restlessness 
never being satisfied or happy. It started in my teens. Kind of felt worthless because my family was fractured. I really didn't have material items. At school, I wasn't able to concentrate. I was indecisive. I didn't really have much interest in anything until I started drinking, smoking. See, I thought that calmed my brain down, but reality was it got me hyped. I thought I was invincible. My brain would race and I'd become like hyper-focused on girls and you couldn't tell me shit. And if all of that wasn't risky enough behavior, then I would just drink more. I would use more. I would do more girls, adding a fight or two to top it off. But then comes the crash, the guilt, those suicidal thoughts, and then the cycle repeats. My entire life, that's what it's been like just changes symptom here or there. It wasn't until I sat down with a psychiatrist a year ago that I had that holy shit God moment that this doesn't have to be your normal. So yeah, the psychiatrist and I sat down for about two hours and it was it was insane. Everything she was saying, how much it really, real, I could relate to and how much it just was finally hitting me because people may have said it to me before, but for whatever reason, it didn't penetrate. And now it finally did penetrate. We talked about uh, a lot of the misconceptions between bipolar one and bipolar two. The biggest one is that bipolar two isn't as serious as uh, bipolar one. Um, and quite honestly, if you're listening to what I just explained, or if you were just listening to some of the, the symptoms that were discussed, you may think, well, shit, that's just everyday life, you know, toughen up. And maybe that's true. However, it's more likely if you feel that way, uh, you also have bipolar too, because re in reality, that just isn't everyday life for normal people. Uh, so the main difference between bipolar one and bipolar two is the severity of the condition. Bipolar one is so extreme, it often leads to people being institutionalized for long-term treatment. Bipolar 2, on the other hand, is more persistent and consistent. So it just kind of lingers with you in life. And the danger of that is you learn to adapt to it. And if not properly treated, it will always have some type of impact or negative consequences in your life. You're just able to kind of edge yourself out. When I talk about the minimal consequences I've always had in life, um, typically I've been able just to squeeze by. Uh, be, I mean, maybe just because I was, I just learned how to adapt to it enough and just kind of avoid accountability for a lot of the shit that I've been involved in. So what is it like bipolar two look like? Well, you as my listeners have actually experienced it. So there's a reason why it takes so long for these shows to come out. I mean, for season four, how long, how many times did I post on Facebook? It's coming, it's coming. It's in two weeks, it's in three weeks. And it never came. The fact is I just kind of lost interest in it. And I couldn't get up the energy to want to do it, which is nuts because this show means so much to me and it's brought me so many opportunities. But at the same time, I can't be consistent with it. And even having worked with consultants who have tried to get me to like focus and say, do it this way or do it that way. Stay consistent, stay consistent. Being consistent with my brain is really, really hard. Now it's nuts. The times that I've been able to actually do a show, it's normally during some type of hypermania. Um, I get hyper-focused and I can literally work till three in the morning, need no sleep and just put together a show. And what triggers that hypermania? I mean, sometimes it can be good or bad. It can be somebody saying, yo, this is really dope. And that energy they give me almost gives me kind of an inflated sense of self and I'm able to jump into the podcast. Or it can also be bad. It can be a relapse that can actually trigger me, which is, which is kind of nuts when you think about it. 
but it is deeper than that because these episodes these bipolar episodes can be very dangerous i mean right now because of my awareness of it i feel like i do have it under control even though i still do struggle with it but typically in the past what it's done is it's caused me to be like the ultimate asshole for example i had a person who i worked with who would always get me multiple speaking engagements and one day during lunch i heard a proposal that they didn't think was good my inflated sense of self was like fuck you whatever i don't need you then um i proceeded then to go on like a, a two-day bender so there's that high risk activity and my benders are like out of control like i'll go party with people like i won't come home i just do like nutty shit and that can be a really dangerous situation and then on top of that i'll like miss out on i'll skip other speaking engagements where i was kind of like a key person to speak and i wouldn't even give a fuck i mean who does that well i mean i did that because that's what the cycle was and that's just not a cycle that was with the podcast that's just been a cycle through anything in life um so really having an understanding of that understanding of why this cycle exists has been just life-changing in certain ways i share this because it's important for other people to understand maybe they've had similar situations and not really understood what was going on or maybe you as a listener know somebody who acts in a certain way and just can't seem to understand you could probably ask every single one of my close friends and they would say to a T, yeah this is how cj is and he can be a dick sometimes and i don't even know why i'm his friend sometimes and then it'll just switch and so they've probably all seen it and they can all identify quite honestly when my episodes have occurred during the course of our friendship so i'm sure you as a listener have those types of relationships with other people that you can identify ever since i had the diagnosis i became willing to take medication the medication that I take is really good because I'm more on the hypermania side than I am on the depression side, and that slows my brain down. But part of the problem is it also keeps me so chill. It kind of almost allows me or prevents me from wanting to get motivated to want to do the things that deep down in I want to do. My entire life, I've always been like, I just want to be like normal people. And I do kind of feel what normal people feel like right now, where I'm just like accepting things as they are. But when you accept things as they are, you don't have that drive. And that drive was a high for me. And that drive uh, is what got me here. And to be honest, I I, want to keep that drive. And I guess there's things in life that you do when you're chasing a dream. You got to remember that you want to keep that drive. Because if you don't, it's, well, what are you doing it for? This podcast has created so many opportunities for me that the drive has to continue. Um, And it's easy right now during the pandemic where you're stuck in the house. Um, And honestly, I'm part of essential operations for Baltimore City, so I don't necessarily need to be stuck in the house. But for my own safety, I definitely do work from home a lot more than I um, have to. But it can get you kind of complacent and not want to continue on and and want to push. And I have to be aware of a depression that can come from that. So right before the pandemic hit. Um, I was asked to speak at an event called the Rodham Institute, their annual summit. The summit this year was about breaking down the walls of mental health issues and mental illness. And it was an honor to speak at this event. And the only reason why I was able to speak at the event, well, I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but the cool thing about this event was, you know, there was a Kennedy who was speaking at the event. Hillary Clinton was speaking at the event. This was people 
who had a lot of influence and cared a lot about mental health, who were all going to be on stage, you know, talking about these issues. And I had my own 10 minute, 15 minute session where I was standing up on stage and they were going to play the podcast in front of the entire audience. I was going to give a session on what it's like as a black male to deal with these issues. And that could have been huge for me. And I only got that opportunity because right now I'm working on a proof of concept for a feature presentation or for a miniseries. It depends on how the direction that it goes. And so I'm working with writers who are drafting the script, who've heard the podcast, love the podcast, believe in the opportunity for it to become much more than what it is right now. And that's like a dream come true. And the script has come in. And because of who they know, they were the people who introduced me to the Rodham Institute. And once they heard it, you know, they definitely wanted me to be a part of what they were doing. So all of these great things are happening, like maybe a movie, you know, um, speaking engagements with Hillary freaking Clinton for crying out loud. And that all happens because of this podcast. But if I get too down, it all just goes, doesn't even fucking matter anymore. Or conversely, if I get too full of myself, it goes, doesn't even matter anymore. Now, in addition to the medication, which does help calm my brain down, there's other actions that I take to really um, control um, my thoughts and my behaviors. Um, Some of it's called cognitive behavior therapy. It's like thinking of something and going to an action or the the vice versa, having an action change your thoughts. And then there's other um, behaviors that I, 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 or actions that I take. One's called a dialectical behavioral therapy. And that was actually really important um, because what that does is it's basically embracing and accepting pain that you're um, currently experiencing. And it's relevant for right now because uh, yesterday I had to bury my grandfather and he effectively was my father. Uh, He was 94. He was a vet. He taught me how to be a man. He um, taught me how to love. He taught me how to forgive. We had this wonderful agreement between us. We never actually said, I love you. But what he did was he would, he taught me how to shake a hand, you know, very firm, chin up, shoulders back, look a man in the eye. And my entire life, I would shake his hand very firmly when I saw him. And then when I left and that was our way of saying, I love you. And it was our little thing and he knew it and I knew it. And so you know, losing him was really, really hard. And I had to ensure that I didn't go off the deep end because of that. You know, if you're sitting at home right now because of the pandemic, it can be really hard. Um, so you have to do certain things to assure that you don't go off the deep end because it, it can impact all of us. And my grandfather was a really positive guy and he would not want me to be down or going off the deep end because of his death. He would want me to celebrate. He would want me to continue to push. He loved this show. He loved everything that this show was bringing me in life. So I want to continue to do that. And that's how I'm going to end this show, you know? No matter where you are right now, there is there is hope. You got to focus. Maybe a little prayer, a little mindfulness, but whatever you got to do to get there, you can get there. I want to be here right by your side helping you get through it as well. So that's all we got for this episode. Remember, normalizepodcast.com is where you can check out all the uh, episodes. And I'm going to keep you posted on this movie. I'm going to keep you posted on these speaking engagements. Um, said I'm going to be here right by your side. So until the next time, catch you on the flip side.